The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, how to be irreplaceable and have job security. I'm going to give five key points uh, and you're going to either be massively educated or you'll hear them and say, yes, where did these skills go? Because I wish everyone had them, especially the younger generation. I don't know how cities of old got lost. I mean, how does that happen? Well, in a much bigger mystery, how did the primary skills of success, personal success and business success get lost? Because they have been, but you can get them now. Or if you have them, you can send this show to others you know who need them, like your kids or a millennial, or you're going to know someone. Give them the gift of awareness for success and security in their work. And I won't hold out on you. Here they are. They're not the only five, but they're just five big ones that we're missing. Number one, do more than expected. That's the biggest bulk of it. Do more than expected. Two, be intuitive. Three, take initiative. Four, learn people skills. Five, ask questions. I'm going to break these down, hopefully fairly quickly and concisely. So we'll get started right after I share some great products and services with you. Okay, again, how to be irreplaceable and have a job security. I am talking about work somewhat from an employment standpoint, though it's just as relevant for entrepreneurs when we think that we are doing, you know, what's expected really good. You're only doing what's expected. You've got to do more. And again, that's really the impetus here. And folks, uh, this message, it is relevant for anyone and everyone, though I admittedly had the younger segment of the population in mind mind when I wrote it. I have four kids over 20 years of age, and these are the types of things I try to impart to them. Though on that note, it's worth pointing out, they are amazing. I mean, who talks to their kids more about soccer? You know, the parent whose kids are great at soccer soccer, and are, and are really doing it, or the parent whose kids stink or don't care about it. Well, of course, it's the kids, uh, the, the, the parent whose kids are great at it. So I talk to my kids a lot about personal and vocational development to this nature because they get it and they're receptive. So here are five big tips. And again, I'm not holding these out as uh, you know, the only thing, the only foundations, but they're just five big areas that we have lost. And anyone with a job, uh, especially the you know, 15 to 30 year olds who I see out in the culture, they have zero clue about these issues and they are not irreplaceable. They are not standing out in any way and they can. The first tip is half the message. The other four are just powerful add-ons. Um, I'll basically be using manual jobs as an example because it's just easy and understandable, but the points are 100% relevant even if some young person has a six-figure position in a nice little office. Number one, you ready? Do more than is expected. Do more than is expected. If I hire someone to shovel my sidewalk and uh, they get all the snow off the sidewalk, let's say for 20 bucks every time it snows and they remove all the snow from the sidewalk, they did what I expected. I mean, if, if you feel you did, if the person felt like they did a great job and scraped closer and maybe even swept it a bit to get more off uh, and they're impressed with how well they got the snow off, the bummer is that's really what I hoped for. 
If someone comes along and offers to do it for less money, I'm going to give them a shot and they're going to lose the gig. If someone comes along and says, Hey, they'll do it for the same money, but also make sure the covered porch is clear where the snow blows in on it. I'm going to give them a shot. And the original person is probably going to lose the job and they're going to be bummed. They think, gosh, I did a good job. I know you just did what is expected. And that leaves you open to being replaceable. You're not irreplaceable then. I know what I said above about the snow that blows in on the covered porch, right? There's the opportunity. So if I hired someone to clear the snow from the sidewalk and the normal person sees and does just that. Now my sidewalk's clear up to my porch that with one glance you realize it has snow on it. And to do that, to take care of that without being asked and without asking for more compensation, now you exceeded my expectations. The next person who comes along and offers less or or more, I'm not going to jump at because this person did what I asked and more. That is rare. And it makes me feel like I'm getting more than I paid for. And I like that. Again, you're either replaceable or not, period. Which are you and how do you become irreplaceable? I'm going to repeat all this because it's so quick and simple, it's prone to being missed. If your job is to do ABC and you perfectly provide and fulfill ABC, you show up on time, you stay late, you do ABC, you're still replaceable. You're doing what your employer or customer expected and hoped for. Even if you're the first or only person to actually fulfill ABC well, and you think you're the, that you do it the best. If you were hired to do ABC, you're still meeting the hoped for expectation and that's it. You're meeting expectations. That's, I know it's disappointing. It's just true. It's psychology. You will be taken for granted as again, you're simply doing what was expected If a hundred people failed and you're the first to succeed at providing ABC. You're still only doing what the employer or customer thought was a reasonable expectation to begin with. And I can hear somebody say, yeah, you know, my boss or whatever says that. And it's an unreasonable expectation. I know I'm so sorry, but we're talking about psychology and what will make you perceived as irreplaceable or not your only hope for job security and promotion is to do more than expected to make sure that you are and to make sure that it's understood. Your only hope for job security and promotion is do more than expected. A, B, C, and D, maybe E and F too. But folks, here's the big hitch. The minute you do more than, than is expected, you're going to naturally hold out your hand to be compensated more. 999 people out of a thousand will expect this. Heck, maybe 9,999 out of 10,000. If they step up, if you step up to provide more, to provide D or E or F, you want and expect to be paid more. And if you ask, you probably can be. If you are then paid more though, boom, you're right back where you started. You're getting paid for A, B, C, and D. Thus again, you're merely meeting expectations. Job security comes from being irreplaceable and being irreplaceable comes from providing more than is expected and not always being compensated more. You want your employer or customer feeling they are getting the better end of the deal. Not like they're getting away and abusing you. This is not about being taken advantage of folks. It is the only way to ever be truly irreplaceable. As long as the other person feels they're getting what they paid for, you are replaceable. And like most core truths, this is just not common sense. This is not taught. Most of us are striving to feel that we have 
the best deal. That's what the culture teaches. You get the best deal. Whatever you're getting paid, do as little as possible. Now, hopefully, you know, anyone here in this has more morals and ethics than the average person, but we got to realize that we're in a culture out there that is by far and large they are trying to get as much as they can for, you know, not doing more than is necessary. Let's just say it that way. That sounds better. Again, if you hear that and think, hey, that's not me. I'm a good employee or entrepreneur. I do a good job. I do a great job. I do what I'm paid to do. I'm a nice person. Ask yourself, when was the last time you did more than was expected? When was the last time you did more than you needed to do without, again, asking for more compensation? And not just once, but consistently, you are that person. If you own the business, let's put this hat on. If you own the business where you work, and again, if you're an entrepreneur, this part right here is not relevant for you, but I do. Actually, let me pull that out. If you're an entrepreneur, if your customer, your client, is paying you for, let's go back to my analogy, ABC, and you are doing an awesome job at ABC, they're not going to be loyal to you. Chances are they're not. You need to provide something extra. I've shared in past episodes about the mechanic in my small town. There's not that many mechanics. And the one mechanic who, I mean, how, how do you prove you're a better mechanic? Every mechanic wants to say they're more trustworthy than the other. It, it's, just, it's impossible to do. They, they all use the word integrity. They all downplay the other mechanics in town. They all diss each other, which is terrible. That, that, that erodes credibility. Don't ever do that. Whatever your business is, don't talk bad about your competitor. Uh, they all do that. Uh, but this one washes your car. That's it. That's all they do. And I've talked about it so many times. They just wash your car, which is brilliant because when I get my car, no matter what they did, I have the perception that it's in better shape as opposed to the other mechanic who might've done a better job, might've charged less, but I get my car back and it's still just dirty as all get out. Uh, And it's now gotten me to feel irritated if I take my car to someplace and they don't wash it. I actually feel the same way about my bike, my mountain bike. I've got a really expensive mountain bike and I take it in and they'll fix whatever or do whatever and then give it back to me dirty. It's such an easy thing to pay somebody a low wage to wash it and just do that one extra thing. Again, to exceed the expectation. So now to the employees though, if you walk into your company, your place of employment and see trash out in the parking lot, if you own the business, you're going to pick it up as you want to make money. And if your place looks trashy, it could jeopardize that. If you're an employee, it's really not even on your radar. And I'm not going to say, you know, why do you care? Again, a lot of people don't, but I'm going to say that I'm talking to a conscientious group here. Uh, And so, you know, there, it just doesn't occur to you. It's just not, again, in your frame of reference, you're not paying attention to is the yard mode. Uh, Does it look nice outside? Is there trash there? Are there footsteps uh, or footprints inside? I mean, if it takes five or 15 minutes to pick up the trash, what good does it do to you? It's not your job and somebody else has paid for that, right? It seems like a waste of your time. You should get in and take care of the job that you're paid to do. And especially if you do it and and nobody sees you and you don't get credit, right? Well, there you go. It's still the difference in mentality of what could make you irreplaceable or not. That will see you ultimately promoted or not. You will be seen over time. What will provide you with more opportunities is thinking as an owner that will make you the owner 
of the business or our business someday instead of forever and employee. Now I say that and please forgive me because I have people that I know who have been, have been and will be employees all their lives in jobs that they are awesome at. They do great jobs. They make tons of money more than I do. So this isn't anything against that, but it's just that overall perspective of, do you want the opportunities to own a business to get promoted? Even if you want to be an employee, you want to get promoted, act like an employer. We generally, again, do just as much as we need in order to get paid to fulfill our job. Uh, and, you know, on that, this is not, again, one of those messages that you hear to you do need to be the first one there in the morning, the last one there at night. I'm a family guy. That is not going to be me. So I'm going to come up with other ways. I'm going to be there on time, but I'm probably going to leave right at time, if not earlier. Uh, the one job that I had for two years of my life in young adulthood, I had a real job. They it was not a bank, but they kidded me about bankers hours because I came in late and I left early because my family was my priority, but I did other things to be irreplaceable. So it starts out this whole perspective. I just want to give you a frame of reference. It starts out as a kid. You know, you're supposed to clean your room, right? Mom, dad says, clean your room. Well, you're fine with a messy room. Your parents own the house. They want the whole thing looking nice. You don't care. So they hound you to clean it and you do what? just enough to get by. What kid doesn't? My kids do. <laughs> and this often extends into school. You do enough to get by. Even if you decide to do great grades, you know, you're ultimately going to do just enough to stay under the radar and, and get by. Then you get a job and you don't know any better. And chances are they're going to train you to do what they say to do and no more. Today we have a workplace that's primarily people who are replaceable cogs in a machine. If you're a good business person, you're in essence, uh, that's what smart is make sure that everybody's replaceable. So you're not put in a bind that's makes good business sense though. It is, it's poor business sense. I'll never forget, man. I don't remember who the analogy was, but it was a coach of a pro football team many, many years ago. And at the time, uh, the coach was known for having the most assistant coaches in his organization go on to become head coaches elsewhere. And somebody finally asked him and said, man, what's the problem here? You know, you keep everybody you hire goes on. And he says, well, what's the other option? Hire mediocre people or less, I should say, less brilliant people who are just going to be good staying here. I want the best of the best and the best of the best have aspirations to go elsewhere. So even as they're coming through my organizations, I'm getting the best, the ones that then go on to become head coaches or to get promotions elsewhere. I want the best of the best. Again, think about the alternative to get somebody who's going to stay loyal, who may not have the aspirations. You want somebody hungry and driven to do more, right? So by far and large in our culture, we have a workforce that is replaceable. Not only will you not get promoted or get more uh, business, but you will always be a quick decision away from being let go and replaced by someone who, again, if this is again, if you're just doing ABC offers to do more for the same pay or offers to do what you do for less pay. It's something if you're in that position and you're replaceable, you have zero control and zero power. You're just biding your time. Every day, you need to be asking yourself why the person who pays you should continue paying you instead of someone else. 90% of the time, 
and this is frustrating, but 90% of the time, and I know this as an employer, the reason you're getting paid instead of someone else is pure convenience. The job needs to be done. And as long as you do it fairly competently, your employer or customer can be off doing whatever they'd rather be doing while they hope you just take care of what you're supposed to do. So you're like a, an old chair in the living room. Someone will continue to use you to sit on you until something better comes along that's worth making the effort to replace the chair. Now, that sounds negative, And my gosh, I, but I'm looking at employees I've had who were good. They were good. But if somebody exemplary came along and offered more, I just don't have a reason other than, oh, I mean, I do. I have a reason to be loyal because if it's a good person, I want to take care of them, but I'm often aware that, man, they're just not offering anything more. And so I'm always curious, could somebody do the job better, more efficiently with a better attitude? Could they take on some extra skills? Because again, generally in the workforce, wherever we are, we get to where we can do what we do well and, uh, and we could actually be more efficient. So somebody else who comes in hungry can come in, man, maybe they could do the same job in less time. And then I can stack on something else that they can do. And I'm getting more for my money. You are listening to the Ziegler show and this special episode on being irreplaceable and having true job security and success. Next, another way to look at this is, are you loyal to your employer? What would it take to lure you away? And the reason that they aren't irreplaceable may bring to light again, why you aren't. Uh, so we'll dive right back in after I share some great products and services with you. Here's another way to look at it. What if a different employer came along and offered to pay you the same as you make now for doing less work? Pay the same, you only work four days a week or you know, 30 hours a week instead of 40. Or they give you less hours and uh, less, effort, less effort and you know, the same pay, more pay, less pay, more hours, less, whatever. They give you a better deal uh, and you're, and you're going to be given a better scenario than you have now. Would you stay loyal to your current employer or your or, you know, their client towards you? I mean, here's the good news though. Today, right now, you can change this. You can go to work every day and pretend there's a hidden video camera on you at all times and work like you're trying to impress the person who'd be watching the video, earning a, uh, a, an upgrade, a raise, a promotion. Over time, you will be found out. Folks, I think that's as much as anything. We are all found out. And so if you're doing a good job, but you could be doing more, you could be more effective, more efficient. You're, the folks around you, they, they realize that. They realize, yeah, you're not pushing you know, for more. People notice. And conversely, if you're constantly giving a little more, people notice. And the first time your employer or customer notices and mentions it to you and offers to pay you more, say no, literally. No, I'm just doing what needs to be done. You just took power and the upper hand. And I know that's hard. And again, there's a limit to that. Ultimately, you do want the promotion. You do want the raise. You do want to accept more compensation. I'm not saying never do that. I'm saying you want to retain an upper hand. And I'm saying that in a, in a good way. You want to be irreplaceable. So if you do get bumped up, figure out, okay, what's the next level thing you can do to be irreplaceable? What's the way that you can, you can fulfill A, B, C, and D so that they know, Oh my gosh, if we ever tried to replace you, you, they would lose X because nobody else is going to do that or knows how to do that. 
And this is not, again, just an altruistic endeavor. So you'll get labeled as a saint. It's a calculated strategy to benefit your life and progress. As long as you do what's expected. I know I'm repeating myself. This is like uh, one of my, my buddies uh, taught, taught me about the Department of Redundancy Department. You got that? I told my kids that recently. I thought that was hilarious. The Department of Redundancy Department. As long as you do what's expected, you have no power and little hope for anything better. Your employer or customer always has all the power. Uh, Whoever's writing the check has all the power. And I know using the word power sounds bad, like it's a power struggle and it's a fight. I, I don't mean that, but we're talking ultimately about reciprocity about somebody feeling indebted to you feeling grateful you want to make your employer so grateful to have you you want to make your client if you're a business owner feel so grateful that they found you you're the only one who not only fixes their car but washes it as well you know as soon as you do more than is expected and required without accepting right away more compensation you gain power or let's again call it reciprocity let's call it gratitude and you have somebody who's going to be loyal to you. It's one of the most powerful human commodities on earth. Reciprocity, use that one. And I mentioned pretending like you had a video camera on you, which is a literal tactic. I, I literally use it with myself. I, I use it from a God standpoint of, th- of knowing I am being watched. But in the workplace, the easy paradigm shift uh, is just, again, to pretend like you own the place in a good way, that you're responsible Now, many of you are going to hear that and maybe have negative thoughts about your boss or your manager and how you could do the business better and such. You should be owning the place. And I I get that, but that's not the point. The owner of a small company uh, especially will notice everything about the business from trash in the parking lot to mud prints in the foyer to empty toilet paper in the bathrooms, uh, customer service voids and on and on. The average employee just doesn't see that. It's not their job to care. And there's very little motive generally or benefit to caring. If you put on a perspective of ownership and responsibility, you will ultimately benefit. Your employer will notice and reward you. A customer of the business will notice and give you an opportunity. I've hired good people away from other employers when I saw their value. I saw them doing more than what was necessary. And if you go to all this effort and your employer just takes you for granted and does take advantage of you, then you've made a poor choice in agreeing to work for them in the first place. And maybe that will highlight that. And you're going to readily realize you need to find an upgrade in employer, somebody who does value somebody who's going to be doing all they can and more folks. There you go. 20 minutes of doing more than is expected, giving people a reason. I think that's my biggest thing, giving people a reason to pay you for a position instead of somebody else. What reason are you giving them to be loyal to you, to not be open to trying somebody else? Uh, and same thing again for employers. If somebody is paying you, I mean, for, for, for entrepreneurs and people who own a business, somebody is paying you to provide a product or service. What reason are you giving them to stay loyal to you? They're probably doing it out of convenience. If you are not giving them a specific reason to retain doing business with you, to be loyal to you, you need to answer that question. Why should they be loyal to you? Especially if somebody comes along and offers to provide the same thing for less or for the same amount of money offers to do more, provide something extra. And there's so little loyalty in our marketplace today because people don't ask that question. Why should that employer be loyal to me and pay me with their money? Why should that customer be loyal to me and give me their money as opposed to somebody else?
All right, there you go. You can stop it right there and that's benefit enough. Give that to your kids, to the millennials. The workplace needs that so badly. But I've got some add-ons here real quick. Uh, Literally, like a few paragraphs each. Number two, be intuitive. Back to my snow shoveling analogy. There are way too many people who, if asked to shovel a sidewalk up to the porch, would do just that and stop, even though there's obviously snow on the porch as well. And that makes no sense. Even if it's a big porch with a lot of snow and it seems too much of a job to do for free, at least have common sense and realize it's not a benefit to the homeowner to have a sidewalk free of snow if the first step onto the porch is into snow. Point it out to them if you have to, but have common sense and look at the job overall and get the concept of what am I providing here? Be intuitive, look around and be aware. Again, it's an ownership mentality or a uh, morals and ethics of saying, I'm going to do a great job of what I'm doing and I'm going to look at the big picture the point of shoveling a, uh, the the path here is so that the person's not stepping in snow so if I can't see a clear path all the way from their door to their car I should be aware of that either take care of it or at least bring it to their attention I mean the corporate world is suffering today from a workforce that does not look beyond what they are told to see uh, to do and, and to see any bigger picture and just to use com- what we would say is common sense. It's not common anymore. We love to watch leading characters in movies who are go-getters and they make things happen and they don't miss anything. And yet we don't think, how am I emulating this in my own life? I, I like the Bourne movies a lot. We own them. I like the character Jason Bourne because he walks in any given circumstance having looked around It's just an automatic thing that he's trained to do. Look around and take everything into account and understand the context of where he's in and the environment. He's ridiculously aware. And the only one who realizes maybe that there's a danger present while everyone else is just head forward, down and unaware. I mean, who wants to be the unaware person? They're going to die or rely on the one person who's paying attention to anything beyond their own world in the movie, right? But why aren't we taking that? Why can't we look at our workplace and say, I want to be the most aware employee here, aware of the big picture and aware of what this company's trying to do so I can help them overall and I can add in overall and I can be intuitive. Same thing again for the business owner or the entrepreneur to say, man, I want my my customer to know that I am the most, I'm the person most aware of what they overall need, their overall well being that goes maybe beyond the product or service I'm providing. I'm paying attention. What's the overall result they need? And I'm going to make sure I take care of all of it. And I care about more than just my ABC part. Number three, take initiative. The norm of culture goes like this. One, your parents tell you what to do and when, and that's what you do. Then you go to school, right? And what happens there? Teachers tell you what to do and when, that's what you do. Three, college is basically the same. You got a little more freedom, but ultimately you show up in class, you sit down, you listen, you do what you're told to do uh, and, and when. Then you get a job and oftentimes you expect the same and oftentimes you're kind of led into the same thing. Well, congratulations, you're now a cog in a machine. You are back to the beginning, replaceable. If you want job security or promotion, you must take initiative on ideas and opportunities and needs. This comes back to just what I said, being intuitive and needs that you become aware of. And thanks to the afore, again, aforementioned intuition that you're exercising, you should be more aware and take initiative. Now, some of you are going to find yourself in a position with a company where you're well aware initiative is not desired actually causes waves. I took a consulting gig with a Silicon Valley company. Oh my gosh, 18 years ago and actually went into their office to work in their office. 
And I had big ideas and big intent, which theoretically was what they were paying for me to come in and do. But I quickly realized that their culture did not welcome that. They wanted yes men and women that stayed under the radar. I lasted about 30 days before exiting. Uh, and if you're in a place like this, then you're going to have to be aware that you're being forced to be a cog in a machine, not even given the opportunity to be irreplaceable. And you won't be, that is not job security. Uh, and you're going to have to answer your own, uh, goals, I guess, in response to what you want for your future there. Any place with real opportunity will reward initiative. Make sure you find such a place. All right, folks, here's a biggie. Learn people skills. Man, in the Ziegler Show, we talk about this so much, and we talk about it more and more, but back to my buddy and his department of redundancy department, uh, we just can't, we're never going to arrive, folks. I am not done learning people skills. I'm not, and I never will be. And every day that I learn better people skills, I will care for people better, and I will benefit personally. Uh, it's, te it's technically, again, it's easy and simple, but it's lost. I mean, when you, here, here's, here's a beginning point. When you make eye contact with another person, smile. Oh my gosh, for the love of Pete, smile. It is, talk about a lost art. Easiest thing you can do. And if it doesn't please the person you smile at, smile at it at least helps your own spirit. But I feel like it's irresponsible and almost psychotic to make eye contact with another person and not just smile. Just give them a smile. Now, you know what? As I'm sitting here saying that, I'm thinking about a woman on a subway thinking, man, I need to be careful doing that to the average guy. Okay, there are always exceptions. Always exceptions. So maybe it's only women to women or whatever. Please go with the spirit and, and don't knock out with an exception that our world is dying for a smile altruistically. But it's also, it'll make you feel better towards other people. And it is an open door to opportunity. Uh, I talk so much again about this lost art of people skills. The only upside about it is it leaves such a gigantic door open to easily stand out. My kids are given, and I am bragging somewhat, but ultimately I'm just, I'm grateful that I was given this. My parents gave this to me, this awareness. I've been able to give my kids to it. So they're not, my kids are not smarter than the average kids. They don't have higher IQs. This is not, what is it? Garrison Keeler, where the the, the men are handsome and the, all the kids are above average or something like that. I, my kids, if they're above average, it's just because they've been given awareness that I was given. And that is nothing but a gift to have gratitude for. But my kids are given so many opportunities and treated like saints and celebrities only because they know some basic people skills. Right now is a farmer's market in our little town. And they hired one intern, apparently. I didn't even know that. One intern out of out of all the kids that applied and whatever. And the kids, I think the interns were supposed to be, you know, like sophomore or juniors or seniors or something like that. My son, uh, one of my sons, who's a freshman, so he's younger, he got the gig. And I, I honestly, I don't, I don't even know if his work ethic is better than most. It probably is. I mean, he's used to that and I could try to cite that, but a lot of it I think is he knows how to smile and engage somebody in conversation and shake their hand. And it's, it's pretty basic, but it's just so rare that he stands out to smile and engage others in conversation, to say, thank you, shake a hand, just the pure basics that I see more and more adults don't do. To be aware of another person just slightly instead of being completely self-centered or just you know inside yourself. Again, just a lost art. Nobody's teaching. 
and fewer exposed to. I'm hoping to expose some more people. I'm hoping to elevate it. And those of you who are listening and also literally, again, I know we have an incredible audience that I'm talking to. And most of you are doing these things and know this, but the information's not out there. So, uh, of course I'm happy for you to share this because you know, more people listen to the show. It helps us. That's great. But if I, uh, could not benefit in any way. I would say, please share this. I just, I want humanity to hear these things so that somebody will smile back at me. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you care about yourself primarily and most often your world's about you. And thus is the case for every other human. You can be the one person who actually takes a little interest in another person. It's the greatest opportunity that exists. If you're a psychopath with no actual care or feelings for others, but simply want to serve yourself, the best way to do it is to become a great actor and pretend to care about other people, engage them, smile. The most ignorant thing to do for our personal well-being and success is to ignore other people's basic needs and desires, which is just to be talked to. It's the most self-limiting thing we can do. Dale Carnegie wrote the book, how to win friends and influence people in 1936. And it's super basic. I have my kids read it repeatedly. I have a really old copy right on the front cover. It actually gives the page numbers to turn to. It's almost like the cliff notes uh, and get to the six ways. This is listed literally on the front cover of, of our tattered book, six ways to make people like you, which sounds narcissistic, self-serving. So if you want to make people, if you want to do things that make people like you, it means you are making them feel good. So even if you don't care about anything self-serving for yourself, these are still the best ways to make people feel good about themselves. You can be like a dopamine drug hit to them by doing these things. Number one, become genuinely interested in other people or act genuinely interested. I'm adding that in. Okay. Number two, and he literally writes this, smile, period. That's it. Number three, remember that a person's name is, to that person, the sweetest and most important sound in any language. If you're like me and most people, you come up, you shake hands with somebody and they say their name and you don't remember it, I don't either. It takes me a few seconds or 30 seconds or three minutes into the conversation where I'll finally come back and go, I'm so sorry. Tell me what your name is again. They're always so grateful because they get to ask the same thing because they don't remember my name either. Okay. So speaking the person's name, not over and over and being, you know, weird, uh, but just to use their name. Number four, be a good listener, encourage others to talk about themselves, which is going to get into my next point. Be a good listener. But there you go. I'll get into it more in just a second. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. You guys listen to this show. So if you ever see me out in public, you can say, Hey man, when was your last mountain bike ride? And I'll go on and talk to you about it. You just talked my, my language. And I'm getting a dopamine hit talking about myself and talking about something I enjoy. So you got to be aware uh, of the, to, to know the person's interest, but listen in, tune in. Number six, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. And I'm going to add or act as sincere as you possibly can. I mean, friends, these are not qualities you have or don't have. This is not, you know, if you're a pastor, you have these already. I know lots of pastors who could give a rip about somebody personally, you know, in this type of format. I mean, they do overall, but they don't like chit chat and they're not people, people and whatnot, but these are not for extroverts folks. These are skills you become aware of and learn in order to either one actually care and serve another person, or as I mentioned before, just exercise them to help yourself, your own opportunities. If you show interest in me because you truly care, 
or because you just know it's a kind and beneficial thing to do. Either way, I still like talking about myself. We both still win. Now, sure, if you're, if you're inside truly a complete narcissistic jerk, you can't hide it and that will come out. I think there's probably none of those people actually listening into this show. You're probably looking in the mirror and talking to yourself, uh, but few people are uh, that way. And again, they're going to find it, be found out. Most of us are not that we have goodness in us, in us, but if it's dormant and unknown, because we don't take any action on it, we lose the greatest benefit life has to offer. And that's the care and interest of other people. You cannot only learn the actions of these six steps that Dale Carnegie lays out, but you can learn to be genuine and sincere in them over time. Just like anything learned, you know, if you are, are uh, learning a sales pitch and how to tell somebody appropriately about a product or service and how to answer their questions well and whatever. And it's kind of a, uh, not a script, but you understand the things that work and whatnot. At first it doesn't feel good, but ultimately, man, you can own it. You can, you can own it. When I first started doing shows, I'm sure I didn't flow as well as I do now today. Now I've learned some things that I can just integrate naturally. You will learn how to integrate a genuine and sincere attitude into your conversation with other people. Even if it's not your dying heart's desire to connect with somebody like that, it, it, having it be learned is okay. It's got to start somewhere. And, and sometimes, goodness, I struggle to really be that caring person about another person, but I care about kindness and goodness overall. And I can find myself being genuine, sincere, even in my heart and effort overall, uh, to try to be, you know, caring for another person, even if that person right there isn't my favorite person on the planet. I mean, the corporate world continually laments the younger workforce that knows a professional skill, but has no, what they often refer to as soft skills. But I greatly appreciate many who are now trying to label these as necessary or essential skills. I agree. And you know, forgive me for using another son, but yeah, again, my kids are, are not above normal. They've just been gifted with some awareness. I have a 25 year old son. He just was hired at a job he really wanted where, which by the way, everybody who knows me as being the self-employment guy, he has no desire to be self-employed. Okay. So no Holy grail there. So he's just hired at a job. He really uh, likes, he was viably the least professionally skilled applicant for the job, but the company, the owners knew he could be taught that they hired him for his spirit and his character and these essential skills. He is not some super extrovert. Uh, he knows these skills though, and he's gotten comfortable with them over time and he'll look you in the eye, he'll engage you in conversation. He's got a good spirit. He's going to do the right thing. He's going to come in and look around and be intuitive like an, like an owner. He's going to have uh, he, he's going to instigate things and that's why he got the job back to point. Number one, having good people skills is also a primary way to make yourself irreplaceable folks. That's pretty much been my bent always with customers and clients of mine as a business owner back when I did have my few or well, I had my one real job. But as a kid, you know, I had jobs where I worked places. I was not the first one to show up. I was not the last one to leave. I may not have been the best at the job, but I had good people skills that made me irreplaceable. It's a great way to be irreplaceable. Number five, last point here, ask questions. And this goes right to Dale Carnegie's six points. Uh, here's a profound social experiment, experiment for you. Get in any social group of any kind, anywhere, at any time. And folks, this is for anybody listening. I don't care if you're 60 hanging out with 60-year-olds or you're 16 hanging out with 16-year-olds. 
Get in a group, watch and listen. Listen to how seldom anyone asks anyone else a question. Everyone's trying to tell everyone or someone something. Go back up and again, read Dale Carnegie's Six Ways to Make People Like You from How to Win Friends and Influence People. Most of it is only possible if you are hearing from the other person, which happens by what? Asking questions. And look, folks, I, this is a bad admission. I don't, I'm not proud of this. I don't like chit chat. I wish I did. I, I have no use or time for it. I'm impatient with it. Uh, and here, so, but here's the deal. I can hold on to that truth and embrace it and say, I am what I am, or I can chit chat some anyways, cause it's part of basic human connection. When I walk into my office on Monday mornings, my greatest desire is to get to my desk and get to work. Uh, I used to, you know, not even share an office with other people until I realize the value. I don't have to, I can have an office all to myself. I could work at home, but I have a lot of kids there. Uh, but I, you know, I hate to admit it, admit it. I, I don't have an inherent desire to ask and connect, ask, you know, ask people how everybody's weekend is and connect with them or share what my own was, but without doing it, there's no relationship at lunchtime. I usually sit uh, out on our office deck with two or three of the guys and we talk. And I will often steer the conversation away. You know, it's, you know, catch up what you do over the weekend. And I'll try to steer the conversation to talk about ideas and possibilities, possibilities and theories or, you know, issues of the heart regarding our work or families, our endeavors. I, I just enjoy this more than, you know, I'm, I was about to say shallow discussions and that's, that's really unfair. They're not shallow. It's doing life, but you get the point. It's connecting with others, what people most like to encounter is questions they can answer. It's a dopamine hit. How was your weekend? What's happening with your kids? Do you go fishing this weekend? Tell me about it. It's a dope. You are serving them and you're serving yourself. Tell me more about X. It's a great phrase to remember. Tell me more. Somebody mentions something and what do you do? Again, get that social experiment. Somebody says something, Hey man, this weekend I went fishing. Somebody else says, man, I, I went mountain biking or I went fishing. Why well, got, they're going to talk about themselves. At, let somebody say what they did and then say, tell me more about that. Or really, what do you think about X or have you experienced, you know, whatever you don't have to do it on and on and on, ask a question, let them talk and then go ahead and share your own thing. But when a person talks and gets to share their experiences, ideas, opinions, and thoughts, and then hears you ask for more about it, man, you, there's just not a bigger drug hit than that. It feels good to them. You are serving them and serving yourself. Be the person who makes them feel good. And a secondary part of this folks, and this is something that I was talking to some of my kids about recently, you gain knowledge. You gain nothing by being the person who doesn't know anything about anything else or about what's going on around you in a bigger picture. Let's say as, as with the company, I mean like that to go into a company that you're working with and I know a lot of people they are doing their job. They have no idea of even headline news of what may be going on with their company or the leaders or in the industry and to be able to come and say, man, I've been hearing some troubling things or some great opportunities about our industry, being a student of the industry that you're in and bringing that to your employers. Holy smokes. I mean, you, you can gain so much by knowing all you can about 
everyone and the environment that you're in. I'm not talking about gossip. I'm not talking about anything negative. I'm talking about positive stuff, but knowing people's likes and dislikes, know what matters to people, know what matters to your employers, know when your coworkers' birthdays are. And hey, again, I'm not the guy who naturally cares to know or keep track of that, but I am the guy who knows the value of it. So I strive to do it. Same idea rings true again about the workplace in general. Ask about other aspects of the business. Be the one employee who's consistently asking the boss or manager about knowledge of the business overall and what's happening with the company, what the opportunities are, what work, what's working, what's not working. They'll love talking about all that they know and they'll, and, and you gain their appreciation. And what do you gain? Information on the job training and education. It's powerful. Become aware of yourself. Do you spend most of your time with others talking or listening, asking questions? And again, hold on. I don't, I don't mean just listen and go 30 minutes in a conversation saying nothing and being a wallflower. The point is to get some questions in, to engage people, uh, to prompt the conversation, to say, tell me more about that. How did you do that? Where did you learn that? I mean, these skills that we just went through, they will do more for anyone's progress and success than any degree or professional skill. Here they are again. Number one, do more than is expected. Two, be intuitive. Three, take initiative. Four, learn people skills. Smile and be grateful. Five, ask questions. So think through these things for ourselves, for yourself. All of us should do this for ourselves. We can all always use a refresher. We can all be getting better in all those. I fall out of some of those good habits so daily to some degree. Uh, But also think about others in your lives right now. Who would benefit from this message? Uh, I I didn't label this again, the five secrets to being irreplaceable at work, because they're not secrets. It's like the lost cities they dig up in the deserts. And I always wonder again, how did they end up losing that city? This has been known for a long time. Dale Carnegie wrote about this stuff in 1936, and he probably thought it was old news. How do we lose these things? I don't know, but they are just lost skills. How did they get lost? We're never going to know. But in this case, losing them is like new, these things, losing them is like losing New York or London or Paris, not some little Mayan town, but Hey, we're here now. We have found them. We're talking about these skills that can make us irreplaceable to our employer, to our customers, to our clients, skills to give us progress, success, and joy. It's a win-win for everybody around us who we utilize these with. So, uh, hey, thank you guys. Think of who might be able to benefit from this message. Well, there you go, folks. Again, many of you will just feel confirmed, I think, by hearing all of these points as you're already doing those things and have been benefiting from them for a long time. But again, we can all use a refresher and I'm sure you know someone who can benefit from hearing it. Give them the gift of this awareness. Coming up in episode 800, Your Main Competition. Uh, interestingly, that was the title uh, of this that we recorded. And when we recorded, when Tom Ziegler and I recorded this show, um, I post, or, or we live streamed it on Facebook. And I don't know if it was just the title or, or whatnot, but we had about quadruple the listeners, the live listeners of any show that we have ever done. And so far, the viewing of it Um, I'll have to go back and look. It's only been a couple hours. Looks like it might eclipse any of the videos that we've done on Ziggler Facebook page with 5 million uh, fans on that. Interesting. Your main competition was the title. So in this show coming up, 
Zig Ziglar brings us a two minute message on the three options that our prospects have. Number one, to do business with you, buy your product or service for whatever, you know, for their need. Number two is they can decide not to do business at all, which, well, that's a big, I'll come back to that. Three, they can do business with a competitor. So your competitor is not just other businesses that offer a similar product or service to yours. It's also doing nothing. And the majority of us have products or services that are not super urgent, right? It's not, uh, you know, the middle of Dallas, Texas, and your air conditioning goes out in your house and it's, you know, die or your refrigerator dies and you got to fix it. Most of our products and services are not that they're important, but they're not urgent. So a very viable competitor is doing nothing. Okay. So Zig's going to talk about that. And, um, to give us though, personal testimonies as normal to, to work with. I asked Ziggler listeners this question, what's your business? What's your product or service and what is the main competition or deterrent for people buying what you have to offer? Goodness, great responses and comments that we got. I'll tell you about half of them were for people, uh, from people who do coaching, life coaching, business coaching, financial coaching, whatnot. So we did end up talking a lot about coaching, which is one of the very non-urgent places usually for people, but very important, but also the harder, a harder one, because when you're coaching, the product or service is you. It's not the product or service that you can point to. It's you. And a lot of people don't realize that we had some people post who I think need to hear that message very well. So we read through the comments together, Tom and I did, or a lot of them. And I think that really helped us flesh out this topic very well of understanding who your competition is. Well, till then folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 